These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties. But in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle, and I am here today with my colleague, Rebecca Schutz. Rebecca, you have been covering this national story that stems from a lawsuit out of Illinois. The suit is focused on real estate commissions. Typically, when a homeowner hires a realtor to sell his or her house, the homeowner agrees to pay the realtor as much as 6% of the sales price for the commission. Now, typically the realtor splits that commission with a real estate agent who brings in the buyer. There's been a lot of talk about the business model shifting to be one that's more like what you see in the United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. Rebecca, if you're buying or selling a house there, if you're buying an in England, for example, how does it work? Yeah, so that was really interesting. The lawsuit mentioned several countries where they said that if things were different, we'd be more like these countries. And I called up a company in the UK who does an annual survey of real estate agents and asked them how things work there. Basically, in the UK, just historically, people have not used buyer's agents. There's mm-hmm. some niche niche segments of the market, oftentimes like upscale homes that will do it, but um, they've never had a buyer's agent, even pre-internet days. People just went down to the real estate, like individual real estate agencies and would look at their listings. Yeah, like go to the offices and yeah. window shop. <laughs> yeah, they would literally window shop. And now in the internet era, people just go online, they open up Zillow and they window shop from home. Mm-hmm. When they find a home they're interested in, they contact the listing agent there, which I think they just call the estate agent. And if things progress, they hire an attorney and the attorney will walk them through um, the paperwork, making sure that the home is actually theirs, et cetera. Like, so they don't have an agent. They hire an attorney. The man I spoke with, Gavin Brask, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, <laughs> uh, said that the typical fee for a lawyer that the buyer pays is between 800 and 1200 pounds, which would be about 1000 to $1,500. Okay, so it's just a flat fee. Mm-hmm. There are many different lawyers on the, that side of the transaction for the listing agent. There are many different agencies, and all the agencies charge different prices, offer different things. So um, if you're listing your home, you choose which agent you want, what fee you want to pay. If you're buying a home, you choose which attorney and which fee you want to pay. And what's the average fee that someone pays in in England? The most recent survey said 1.18%, which is drastically lower than 6%. It has been falling over the years. Mm -hmm. It seems like there might be this sort of correction in the market where a lot of real estate agents actually can't afford to offer that low of a price. So Gavin sort of predicted that many of them might go out of business soon there might be sort of like a consolidating and he doesn't think fees will go lower than 1.18%, but that's what's going on in England right now. So tell me about the lawsuit here in the United States. Who filed it and what was their claim? So the lawsuit 
in the United States was filed by a man named Christopher Morrill, and he filed it as a class action lawsuit. So he filed it on behalf of all home buyers who bought their homes through certain listing, multiple listing services, including um, our local one, HAR. So that's who filed it. He's being represented by several big law firms, including a law firm who famously prosecuted Big Tobacco and got a $206 billion settlement. Wow. That, a lawyer from that case is on this case. Law firm that did the NCAA concussions case, the Volkswagen's emissions case, and several antitrust cases, including the one against Apple eBooks, saying that Apple and five of the nation's top publishers were colluding to raise the price of eBooks. That one also settled for $400 million. And, you know, I was sort of looking through some of the famous cases these law firms have done, and notably, most of them settle. They don't um, go all the way through mm-hmm. the trial process. Okay. So um, that also means that the companies didn't admit fault. They just agreed to settle and close the case. Okay. So what he's claiming is that the system has been set up in a way to reduce competitive pricing. Because here how it works is the buyer's agent often off, like advertises its services as free to the buyer. You can debate whether or not that's true, um, mm-hmm. because in a way they are paying it out of the money that they're giving the seller. Part of it will go to them. So you can argue either way, but it's sort of advertised as the buyer's agent is free to the buyer. And when the seller sells a house, he gets the listing agent. The listing agent will normally put it in a multiple listing service, which is a platform realtors use to browse listings and get comps, which is especially important in Texas because in Texas, it's a non-disclosure state. It's very difficult to find out what similar homes were sold for unless you have access to this MLS. Right. And only realtors have access to the MLS. We have yes. access to the public-facing MLS, which is HAR.com, mm-hmm. but all the data that's in, input by the, the agents is only there for them to see. Yeah. Okay. So they have all this very valuable data. The trick here, that is, which is like at the heart of this lawsuit, is when you put it when you put your listing in the MLS so that other realtors can see it, you have to say how much you'd be willing to pay the buyer's agent, which for decades has been 3%. Uh-huh. Like if you're the buyer's agent who does the work of representing the buyer and you bring the buyer to my house and you walk them through the process, we will pay you usually 3%. Mm-hmm. So the plaintiff is arguing this has been set up to reduce competitive pricing because they believe that it sort of leads to discrimination against the listing if you offer less than 3%. And uh, that's why it stayed at that price. So that is sort of the idea, like buyers, agents, they would skip those listings and just show them the 3% listings or the listings that they knew they would get 3% from. Yeah. So that's not technically allowed. You aren't allowed to discriminate against listings. Your duty is to the buyer. Mm -hmm. But the argument is that that it happens like de facto. It just happens naturally, even though they aren't allowed to. And I spoke with one brokerage who said they had experienced this. They had listed two homes at the same, like in the same price bracket, in the same gated neighborhood mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they offered 3% commission to the buyer's agent on one and 2% on the other. And the one that they offered 2% on apparently according to this brokerage, which is Door, based out of Dallas, mm-hmm. got um, half the showings of the other house. And they couldn't understand it because they're like, if you're bringing your buyer to see one house, 
you should bring them to see both houses because they're comparable. Right. But they said they got half the showings on the 2% house and raised their offer to 3%. They mm-hmm. got equal showings on both houses. Wow. So that's the kind of um, sort of de facto. It's not technically allowed, but that's the discrimination people are worried about argues the plaintiff. And since they're worried about that, that's what has kept prices the same. They're also arguing that prices naturally would drift downwards like they have in England because um, now that buyers can go online and look at homes for, you know, months before they find one they like Mm -hmm. and contact a buyer's agent. Effectively, they've done that much work that the buyer's agent would have done decades ago. So then why, if they're doing less of the work, why aren't they getting paid less of the commission? So that's the plaintiff's argument. Mm -hmm. The National Association of Realtors, which is what HAR is a part of, they say that the plaintiff has mischaracterized their rules. They're saying their rules aren't anti-competitive. And they said that the plaintiff is basing their case saying that their rules prohibits brokers from negotiating the commissions, but that's not true. Just because you say you will pay, you're offering to pay 3% to the buyer's agent, that doesn't mean you can't negotiate later. That's just your initial offer. Okay. And so what is the status of the lawsuit now? Right now, they met with the judge. The plaintiff said, okay, we're going to amend our complaint. And AR was saying, the complaint is inaccurate. We should dismiss the case. The people pursuing the suit said, we will withdraw it. We will amend the complaint. We will submit our renewed complaint. Basically, they're just going to, I, I assume, take out any language that the NAR found problematic and argue that they still have a case. They're supposed to do that by, by when? Uh, they're supposed to file it by mid-June. Okay. Another question. If they have all of these smart lawyers working for them, how did they get the language so wrong? That is a great question. <laughs> that is a very good question, especially since, um, well, you know, there, there have been a history of cases in the past. One case made a sim- similar argument, and I feel like the NAR, you know, they have a whole antitrust page on their website saying that they're compliant with antitrust rules because they've come under scrutiny for an, for being anti-competitive in the past. Mm-hmm. One case brought against them in Kentucky also argued about these commissions and the way what they argued was the fact that it is negotiable, that they aren't setting the price. So you would think that that would be something they'd be very careful about. Yeah. Another thing that was really interesting about a story that you had on this recently was that in addition to this lawsuit or since this lawsuit was filed, which was earlier this year. March 6th, my birthday. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. So since it was filed on your birthday, the government has stepped in, the Department of Justice. Yes. And now why are they involved? So what they did was they requested documents from a company called CoreLogic, which provides the platform that a lot of these companies use for their MLS. So basically, they're, they have access to how the MLSs are being used. Okay. And the Department of Justice said they wanted all these documents and interviews about whether or not realtors were using the MLS in a discriminatory way. So for example, is there any type of filter on offers? So if you're a buyer's agent, can you go to the platform and say, only show me the 3% ones? Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the rest. That was one of the questions they asked. Okay. Does that happen? They said, is there any communication, the benefits of like certain types of commissions, et cetera? And it seems like they're looking for evidence 
to build some case about like collusion, whether there is whether they can build a case. That's my assumption reading through their requests. Okay. But that came out of this case because that was something that the plaintiff filed when they were saying, we do have a case. We want to amend our complaint and show you that we have a case. Mm -hmm. Um, And to bolster our argument, here's this document from the DOJ saying they're looking into it too. So Hmm. they're taking this as a way to bolster the fact that they have a case. Do you know if the government has ever looked at this issue before in this way? Uh, yes, they have. Well, they've filed a few lawsuits and Congress has looked into it. So in 2005, there was a big case where the Department of Justice looked into NAR because this was when people had started posting the information that they were getting off of the MLS mm-hmm. onto websites that clients could see. So think Zillow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The reason why you would think they would be able to do this is because if you walked into someone's office, they could print you out pages on all these homes, show you the pages. You could take those pages home, right? Right. So they said, we're going to put all these pages online. Right. You'll be able to see them all online. They called it a virtual office website Mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. But if you could do it all online, you could do most of the work yourself. There wasn't a lot of control. So all these multiple listing services passed a rule being like, well, if you don't want people to do that with your listings... You can opt all of your listings out of this. So that would mean Zillow would only have like 50% of the MLS or something like that. Because a lot of people were opting out because they saw it as a threat. Mm -hmm. So the DOJ took that case to court. Juan, that's the reason why why you see these sort of like online listing services, right? Mm -hmm. So that was a case in 2005. In 2006, the U.S. House of Representatives had like a hearing about whether or not commissions were competitive. Their question was, why is it that an industry with more than 1.3 million competitors with home prices that vary widely um, have brokers in Portland, Oregon and brokers in Portland, Maine uniformly charging a 6% commission? They're asking, would not real competition produce varying services and varying prices? They had the governmental accountability office look into the issue. And there's there's a series of other cases as well. Like mm. this has been something that the Department of Justice and Congress has looked into. I would say the NAR has formulated its rules in a way that it thinks is not vulnerable to this sort of attack because it's not new. It's not out of the blue. Mm-hmm. And they've thought carefully about the rules. And it sounds like nothing has really changed that much over the years, except maybe the virtual office ruling, right? Now yeah. That, that's so that was allowed. a big change. Mm-hmm. That was a big change. True. And um, if they saw it as a threat, that could very well play out. You know, mm-hmm. um, it is true that people are spending a lot of time at home browsing on their own. Right. That case provided a big change by allowing websites like Zillow to post these listings, right? And when I see discount brokerages that are sort of working around the MLS, Mm -hmm. they're using websites like Zillow to work around the MLS. So whether or not this current suit pans out, I think all of this online competition will have an impact. For example, one company that has decided they are not going to list their um, houses on the MLS at all, they're just going to work entirely around it, Mm -hmm. is Rex. So what Rex does is they say, Instead of a 6% commission, we'll sell your house for 2%, which is a huge difference. It's actually almost in line with the UK, right? Right. And the way they do that is they say, we will not pay 
the buyer's agent. Okay. Well, if you're not going to make an offer to the buyer's agent, you cannot list it on the MLS. Mm. But they have decided that Zillow and other online advertising allows them to work outside of the MLS, which is, which sort of proves the case that a lot has changed. Yeah. If you say not a lot has changed, the fact that they can do that has changed. Right. A homeowner who decided to sell his house through X because he wanted to pay a lower commission, right? Mm -hmm. And the person who bought it found the house through Zillow. So I would say that's like a case in point that technology has allowed things to change. Whether or not this case passes, there will be some, there are some interesting ways to sort of try to get around the issues that this plaintiff yeah, sees. That's so interesting. So who represents the buyer? Or... So that's a great question. Okay. That's a really good question because that's what um, a lot of people sort of fear. Like if the system is broken down, who would represent the buyer? Mm-hmm. In the UK, it wouldn't really be anyone except for the lawyer, right? Just the person themselves and the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, the buyer's agent is the thing. You know, they walk you through. They have, they're like, oh, you need to get the home inspected. Oh, we should negotiate about this. They, they sort of like try to guide you around any pitfalls. With Rex, you have two options. Either you go out and you hire a buyer's agent, which you can negotiate, oh, well, I will pay you 1% or I will pay you 2 or 3%, right? So mm-hmm. you could do that. Or you could go with one of Rex's agents, which I think uh, draws a lot of worry from the real estate industry because even though you have your own agent, it's the same company Mm-hmm. that is selling you the home. So there are some worries about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but they're not paid commission per se. They are paid a salary, right, from the company. And yeah. So, so it would be like, quote, unquote, It's if you went through, a, if I was a buyer and I use a Rex agent, it would be free to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Rex agent is paid through a salary that is funded by the sellers. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest example of what things would look like with the buyers and sellers agent decoupled, maybe Rex is a good example, right? Mm-hmm. Like either people would buyers would have to pay it for it themselves, or they would find representation in other ways. And you know, you could look at this company and try to determine whether those other ways are problematic. Yeah. Well, in Houston, we have such a, a large and robust real estate market. There are how many realtors here? Thirty thousand, forty thousand. Um, I think it was. 37,000. 37,000. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for explaining this. You will definitely have to come back and talk about it when they make their next move in the courts or in the government. And we'll keep listeners posted. Yeah. All right. Until next time. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you have heard, please rate us or write a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And please subscribe. If you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, you can reach out on Facebook or Twitter. I am at N. Sarnoff. And Rebecca, you are at R.I. Schutz, S-C-H-U-E-T-Z. Thanks so much. See you next time.